Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. A180 family, I'm coming live to you today. Uh, from our greenish table and for those of you who don't know what that is it's an instagram account my wife began uh, a little bit while ago you can follow Um, but she painted this table green and it's a table we love because we drink our coffee we entertain guests we cook and we fellowship here every day in our lives and a lot of times we pray for you and pray for our community so it's Um, I just feel very warm to welcome you to our Greenwich table today. Um, I know that the situation is not the best, but I'm grateful that we can meet this way as well. Um, You know, the Bible tells us that that when two or three gather in his name, he is there with us. And I believe that. I know many of you are meeting together in smaller groups or maybe your home watching this broadcast, Um, but I am thankful for you, and I want you to know that my wife and I and our family are praying for you on our Greenwich table. So welcome to it. So before we begin today and look into our text, let's pray together and welcome the presence of God. So will you pray with me and bow your heads? Father, we come before you today, and we just welcome your presence your power, and your wisdom to navigate through tumultuous times that we are currently facing. And we want to pray that your Holy Spirit would be our great comforter, our great teacher, would guide us and show us to represent Christ in such um, tumultuous and turbulent times. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be with us today, to encourage, to uplift, and to bring together our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, so just right off the bat, um, many of you feel like um, like the zombie apocalypse is upon us. And in, in some ways, some of those characteristics can match the description of how people are feeling. But, you know, there's a wide range of, of spectrum of how people are feeling about this um, to mild, to severe, to, to low. And you might be somewhere there. Um, but there, there is a sense of panic. Um, one story that caught my attention was a story on Instagram of a person standing in line in Whole Foods talking to their friend about um, how many non-organic items they had to get. And the punchline was, geez, these are tough times. And the, there was an emoji um, of someone rolling their eyes back. <laughs> and I had to, I responded right away to Debbie and I said, stop talking about me. Because I was just at Whole Foods and that's exactly what I was thinking. But you can laugh 
and and um, take you know laughter is good for the soul. We need some um, alleviation uh, from this type of stress, and you're still alive. Um, and I know that it is serious, but we do need to take um, the right precautions. But we need to get perspective on this and why, at the root of the issue, why so many of us um, are feeling this dystopian and restless feeling of fear that seems so exaggerated um, and sometimes, I guess, also warranted, right? It, it is a pandemic after all. Because people feel powerless. Some of you are powerless to stay in the States right now. As schools have been canceled to further notice. The NBA season is gone. All pro sports have been, have been postponed. Some of you are working from home. And when a dystopian reality in the, heart, in the human heart sets in, we begin to feel powerless, and that's when we feel tempted to take power and self-persevere. And we begin to think of ourselves. And we take that power in spite of if we're going to hurt other people's, other people, despite of our actions, because we're trying to save ourselves out of panic and fear. And this powerlessness is sort of really go straight to the heart of the third temptation Jesus faces in the wilderness. In our series, as we've been following the journey of Lent, the 40 days until the Passion Week, it really addresses the temptation, the last temptation Jesus faced, which was the temptation of power. The hold of power and autonomy has over us. Because a lot of times the truth is, none of us want to pay a cost for freedom. When our freedom is assaulted, we panic. And in our panic, we tend to hurt people. And we've seen that as people um, been xenophobic, taking all types of toilet paper and Purell, selling it and exploiting people on Amazon for four or $500, trying to make a profit of this pandemic. The worst part, the microcosm this pandemic is a microcosm of the worst part of humanity, but it also can bring out the best. So today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the hold power and autonomy has over us. And how through the Lent season, we can allow that power to be broken and we can turn to God as our refuge so he can bring us peace and so we can be ambassadors and representatives of light in this world. So let's turn to the scriptures right now and go into the passage today. Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. That is the word of the Lord. Okay, so just to recap Matthew chapter 4, which are the three temptations of Jesus. This is to parallel uh, the Israelites' temptation when Moses led them out of Egypt into the wilderness. But many of them died because they failed the test. And so the three temptations in Matthew 4 mirrors that temptation. And the first temptation, the hold, uh, was to hold the materialism. What physical thing in this world brings us refuge and, and solace and comfort before God? Sometimes we said that um, even our self-preservation cannot come at the cost of advancing the greater good of God's mission and God's renewing power at work. And so that was part of it, putting our trust into what is temporary versus what is eternal. Second um, temptation was the hold of spiritual entitlement. Yeah, I give up what is material, but then I want what is sometimes emotive, psychological, or spiritual. I want these things because I've done these things. And so the struggle there was about entitlement versus gratefulness, a cumulative examining, almost nostalgic examining of what God has done in our lives in the past and learning to be grateful for what is in front of us and even what is behind us. That was the second temptation. That was a hard one for a lot of us. It is hard. The third temptation as we move into today, is about power. Yeah, so let's look at verse 8, the third temptation itself, and at the core, see what the test at the heart, what, what it's about. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. So at the core of the temptation is the test of what the hold of power has on us. When our power and autonomy is threatened, what comes out of us? Clearly, this temptation aligns to avoiding the cross. A friend one time asked me, why does Jesus always try to deflect from his miracles or healings? Or deliverances in the New Testament. It seems so counterintuitive. It seems like his message was to be perpetuated. The good news should be spread. Why did he want to halt that news? And I leaned over and I thought about it. And this is the wisdom I received from the Holy Spirit. It, because 
That was counterintuitive to God's will because from the very beginning of Jesus' birth, death was part of the plan of God's will. So it was counterintuitive to the will of God to promote himself. Because when there were too many miracles, a lot of the people of Israel tried to make him king. And so this was similar to that layer of temptation. And even when Peter rebuked Jesus of saying that he must die, he must suffer, and Peter rebuked him saying, no, Lord, that shall never happen. Jesus called Peter, Satan, get behind me. We're, we could be good until our autonomy and our control is threatened. So how is this epidemic or what is it is bringing out of you? Because it's showing something about us. And, and you know, I don't want to act holy and now at all. I'm all about avoiding pain, unnecessary pain. Now, come on, I'm, I'm the person that would take an Uber from 19 and Broadway to 15 Street, a couple blocks down. And I would get into the Uber or the cab and the cab driver would judge me and say, are you serious? I'm like, yes, it's really hot, and I don't want I don't want to get all sweaty. Don't judge me. You guys don't judge me at home either. But in that case, that can just be laziness, and I'm using my power, but I'm not hurting anyone, right? I mean, the cab the cab driver or Ubers are still getting paid, and I'm avoiding pain. But what happens when a situation like this, a pandemic happens? What are people doing? I saw a video of women fighting over rolls of toilet paper because one family literally took the whole like 12, 13 rolls of toilet paper and they were literally ripping each other's hair apart. And eventually that one family, you know, got that woman off of them. And I saw the, the most tragic and depressing look on the other woman saying, can you just give me one roll? I think this was a, um, a video in the UK. And some of you have been hurt by xenophobia, right? People's panicking, blaming people of Asian descent because of their fear. They want to blame someone. It brings out the worst of us because they feel afraid. So the question here for many of us, is how will we act at this moment? Are, is God still on the throne? Will God get us through this? He will. One of the reasons why Christianity spread and overwhelmed the Roman Empire by AD 70, just in 40 years, was because of, in times of the Great Plague, Dr. Stark, a historian of early Christianity, wrote a book about it. While all the pagan influencers and senators and, and people in leadership fled the city, Christians stayed and took care of the most vulnerable. And let me just tell you, the most vulnerable, those who have access to health care, and you know, uh, unlike what the president and this administration have said, you cannot just get a test. The CDC is overwhelmed. A lot of those tests were flawed. 
And that's why it takes so long because everybody has to send it to Atlanta. And that's, so the time is very long. So think about people that are not even in some of your shoes that don't have health insurance, don't have access. They are the ones that are going to be hurt the most. So that's why we have to be calm and trust in him to anchor us. Because the more we panic, the further we push down those who are the most vulnerable and hurt them. And that's when power, our power, whatever influence we have, can hurt others. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus does not fall into this temptation of avoiding the cross and getting the glory without it. Because he loves us. What will you do? I pray that the Holy Spirit would examine and scan our attitudes through this, through the lens of this pandemic. And he would be able to root out the fear that power has over us and the loss of autonomy has over us so that we can become more like Jesus. Don't you want that? To represent him? So what happened after the plague and during the Roman Empire when all the senders and influencers and leaders came back? Did they go worship at the temple with pagan gods who, who did not give a lick about them when they were literally suffering and dying? No. They went to the churches, the underground churches, where they were shown hospitality, love, and kindness. So this is also a gospel opportunity, folks. If we can loosen the hold of power through Lent and allow God's power to substitute it so that we can become powerful to the world, through his love. It's an amazing opportunity to show kindness and hospitality, not panic and fear. Yes, yeah, so the point of the test was the hold of power and autonomy has over us. And what comes out of us when those two things are threatened at the core? We can be generous um, and friendly and hospitable when we have plenty, but when it threatens our survival or even our way of life. Our character is revealed. Character is tested when we're up against it, right? So that's the first thing. What's the second thing? What's the lesson here? Well, listen to what Jesus says. Jesus quotes scripture and says, Jesus says to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So what's the lesson here? The lesson here is there can't be any rivals in our relationship with God. Second, the lesson, there can't be any rivals. God must take first place. That value of putting him first and living according to his values must be first. Any rivals, any rivalry with that value is what we're actually flirting. It's a mistress of our heart. It says seduction away from him. And so when we act away from worshiping him and his values and who he is, representing who he is, that, that idea of autonomy and power to take control becomes what we worship, what we value even more than God. It's a competing commitment, competing value. 
So God must be Bay before all else. That's what Jesus is saying. No matter what I have to go through, I will worship the Lord and serve his kingdom and his purposes. So if there's a rival taking place in our hearts and in the 40 days that we're seeing, and that's exactly a candidate, like exactly the thing that's rivaling your worship. You know, <clears throat> I remember a few years ago, one of our married couples, Nancy and Jeff, they've been married for a few years now. It was a pleasure doing their wedding. Actually, um, just a, so a funny story, their, their wedding was featured because it was like a Comic-Con wedding and costumes. It was featured in, I think, New York Magazine. You can check that out. But um, I remember someone that demonstrates this, you know, that this idea of Bay before all else and having no rivals is when Jeff and Nancy began dating and they met through a mutual friend. Um, <clears throat> and Nancy told Jeff right off the bat, no matter what. On Thursdays and on Sundays, I go to a small group and I go to church. And Jeff was like, what? You know, he's from a Catholic background with his little Filipino flirty eyes, you know, said, really? And then she was like, that's right. They're non-negotiable. Accept it. Or lose it. And Jeff was like, wow, this is, those are rock solid values. Yeah, I always felt like Nancy was really funny with that story. But another layer to this story is that when Jeff was proposing to Nancy, Nancy also has another value. Um, she doesn't believe in bre breakfast and Tiffany's, she believes diamonds are evil. <clears throat> and they're a marketing ploy. And so when Jeff proposed, he couldn't propose with a diamond. Wow. She was not seduced. And I'm not, <laughs> I gave my wife a diamond. Everybody in our church, I remember all the guys that proposed with the diamond. A lot of them threw up a couple of times. And I couldn't believe it. Either when in this story, Jeff didn't propose with a diamond like everybody else because Nancy believed they're blood diamonds. Kanye West in his song Diamonds Forever says something like this. I thought my Jesus piece is so harmless until I saw a picture of a shorty armless. These are blood diamonds. But part of me keeps saying, keep shining. Why? Because diamonds are forever. You look at the diamonds, they're beautiful. They represent status. They represent power. They represent sometimes how much a man is willing to pay for love. But not for Nancy. Her values mitigated this temptation. And diamonds are shiny and beautiful, but she wasn't tempted. That's a good example of what Jesus is doing here in this passage. God had, Jesus had no rivals to his heart. He was going to follow his father in his mission, no matter what. And that's a calling and invitation to all of us in this moment.
of tumultuous and turbulent times, when our values and our commitment is tested, to see what is rivaling, what is competing, who should be number one. So what is happening in your heart? What is taking place? Put the rivalry to death. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will show you what they are. Power autonomy? I don't know. I pray the Spirit would show you. Because that's when the enemy's power is broken. And so what happens? Jesus defeats and conquers these three tests and is launched into mission. And the world has never been the same again. Because he put God first. He put his mission first. And it changed the world forever. And that's why we're talking through technology today, not even at church. And we're worshiping him. We were trying to become like him together. Second lesson, there can't be any rivals. He must become Bay before all else. I pray the Holy Spirit would begin to show you those what's tethering and holding you back from God becoming first. And I pray that the Spirit of God would do surgery on all of us so that we can become ambassadors throughout this pandemic. Because I know God is working in us. And through every interruption, He always works. And though it feels difficult at times, I want you to know, He works out everything. Everything for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So will you do that today?
wherever you might be today, will you lift your hands with me as we close in prayer? Would you lift your hands and surrender your anxiety? Surrender the aches. podcast. Um, I am here today with Dr. Sammy Kim. Um, yes, and he is my husband. We are married and we are the co- we are the founders of 180 Church. Usually Joe Lou does this whole introduction, but it's kind of odd to introduce ourselves. But <laughs> just so that our any new <clears throat> listeners or um, might not know, right? So yeah, so last message, um, actually, let's talk about the service. We had our first online service um, because of the COVID-19, uh, the pandemic that's going on, um, the social distance, distancing, and I think every, all the things that come with it are real. Um, so we had to meet online. We usually meet at our theater, an AMC theater in um, Union Square, but... We could not do that. And also, you know, social distancing is necessary, right? Um, it helps, I guess, flatten the uh, solution for the disease that is spreading right now. And so, yeah, so it was a great service. Yeah, it was uh, amazing to watch so many remote sites um, worshiping together, leading worship together, fellowshipping together and being the church. It was very beautiful to see. Yeah, it almost felt like um, the old days, yeah. you know, like yeah. I'm talking about like first century Christian yeah. old oh, days yeah. and people would gather in homes. And I think a missiologist actually wrote this on CT the other day that in spite or despite of the virus and the viral infection that's taking place in this pandemic, that this could be an opportunity for, for the church to revisit its present structural um, way of doing ministry and mm. living life because we've become um, really commercialized in many ways in mm. 2000 years. Mm-hmm. So I think we could talk about that too. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all in a matter of, I think, I mean, it was already happening, like slowly there were things changing and I guess people were being affected by it um, throughout the weeks and all of a sudden, it almost felt like very drastic, yeah. the measures that we had to take in order to contain this thing. Yeah. And 
people are definitely feeling the interruption. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I think that one of the things that it does bring up for the church and for us all believers and, and seekers is who we're putting our trust in and what we're putting our trust in because you know, the pandemic that's spreading currently, the, what we're trying to halt desperately ha was really started because the governments of our planet failed. The Chinese government failed and lied, tried to cover it up when it started Wuhan. Uh, our government in the United States uh, did not have an infrastructure in place to deal with a pandemic like this. Uh, with Trump's administration letting go the National Public Health Director in the National Institute, uh, the, in the security, National Security Council. And so there was no head, per, no lead person to lead the pandemic in the, from the very beginning. So everything is delayed. The CDC was not prepared for this. Um, so there's a lot of panic and that panic people are feeling with misinformation from our own government. Um, in many ways, it's warranted. And so for those of you who are feeling a little bit afraid and panicking, um, that is an example of poor leadership. And so it just shows us that all our institutions, um, what we're putting our trust in sometimes do fail. And ultimately, we need to put our trust in the one that never fails, that never changes. The one that is the same yesterday, today and forever, who's Jesus. Yeah, no, that's definitely very, I think, close to home because there's so much disappointment in the way that it's being dealt with or when it started to be um, dealt with the way that it is. You know, like there's a lot of tension even on social media and I think tension on the minds of people. Um, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of frustration. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of fear, like you said, People are afraid because there's so much uncertainty and, as you said, like misinformation or yeah. mixed messages that are um, being given in different sites yeah, that yeah. should be reliable but are not. Yeah. And constant updates of news. So people are, I think, wondering, what do we really listen to? You know, what do we go by? Yeah. Yeah, leadership um, is questioned at this point and now we see what good leadership is this is poor leadership and that's why i think it's very critical for the church and experts particularly physicians and healthcare workers uh to do the math to think put their thinking caps on and begin to lead in a world in dire need of hope and in peace and tranquility um, so I think this is an opportunity as well for those of us in the field to begin to think through how we can lead, how we can help others in panic. Mm -hmm. And that's what the message was sort of about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the message was about the hold of power mm -hmm. and how the loss of power brings out the worst of us. Yeah. And that it is an opportunity. See, I was listening, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that it's an opportunity for um, us to be examined in our hearts, to become like Christ. Yeah. And what God might be saying to us can yeah. be heard in times of turmoil. Yeah, I mean, the whole series on Lent in, in the last three messages on the temptations of Jesus in Matthew 4, which I said parallels the temptation the Israelites were experiencing in the desert, in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy. Um, 
I mean, this is a test. This pandemic is a test for the church and for all believers and for the globalized world and its governments of how we're going to prevail. Um, but especially for the believers, I mean, as we observe Lent, what an opportunity to begin to examine deeply within ourselves what kind of power um, autonomy and just control has over our lives. And when we lose it, what is coming, what is revealing about our character? What, what is taking place inside of our hearts? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. You know, when um, all these posts by people were going up of aisles uh, in shopping, you know, like mm-hmm. stores of running out of dry pasta, chopped meat, you know, mm-hmm. there were all these posts going up, um, running out of toilet paper. I was like, you know, it's okay. Everything's going to be fine. But I remember at one point I was making dinner. I opened the fridge to and opened the drawer for the vegetables. And I was, I found myself <laughs> embarrassingly, but I admit I found myself counting the carrots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should I put four carrots in the stew or three carrots in the stew? And I caught myself like I am affected. Yeah. So just being transparent about that, I mm-hmm. think before we say, or, I mean, we never say should, but before we even go into what is, you know, the ideal or what is the model yeah. of Christ, yeah. of God's heart, I think it's important to admit and to be able to embrace our humanity mm. and say, yeah, it's tough. Like, you know, these comforts, um, not even just only first world, but just basic comforts of you know, not even having toilet paper or enough, all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of being stripped away from us. Right. Um, even it, it takes a toll, I think, on the mind, mm-hmm. the heart, and the way we think about things, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm first to admit I was affected. Yeah, me too. The character is tested when you're, you're, when you're up against it. And, I mean, I went to Target with Nathan the other night. And we bought $400 worth of food and supplies and stuff like that at night. Uh, we actually went to New Jersey because online they said they have toilet paper, but they did not. Mm. So it is very important to admit it's okay to feel this way. It's human. And that's actually what the text is showing about uh, the part of Jesus in Matthew 4. It's showing his humanity. That's why he's hungry. That's why he's called the temptation. Um, and the angels came after he defeated these temptations because they were very difficult and turbulent to overcome. So the battle is real. The struggle is real. Yeah, I remember you and Nathan came back with um, cold cuts, pasta. Coffee. Um, coffee, Lots, of, lots coffee. of coffee. Basically, you took whatever was left. I know the aisles were pretty empty when yeah. you got there, but yeah, you... I went for toilet paper, but I got other stuff. instead. <laughs> well, just in your defense, a lot of people go to target to buy something, but they come out buying <laughs> other whole lot of other stuff. So that's yeah. But yeah, hard times, you know? Yeah. You came back and our fridge, I kept telling you, we don't have enough room in our freezer, but I did get those three, <laughs> three ice creams. I needed it. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you need your comforts of some sort. (laughs) But yeah, so we stacked up our fridge and we are ready for a lockdown, basically. Yeah. 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 Um, Because the restaurants are actually closing tomorrow. Yeah. 
and they're only allowing takeout. And we will be supporting the local small restaurants because mm-hmm. that's important because mm-hmm. that's people's livelihood. But yeah, you're right. That's it's addressing such a crucial part. Just and I feel like in many ways, this pandemic is reexamining us from the beginning of what tech or like what the text has been saying mm-hmm. like first temptation second temptation yeah, yeah. you know the entitlement mm-hmm. um that's the second one right yeah yeah the first one was the hold of materialism right you know i remember when i i when i even did the podcast um i really struggled to identify materialism and i remember i spoke with you and i said honey I don't know why, but I I am not convicted about materialism as I thought I would be. Mm. And then um, I remember you said to me, well, that's because you're thinking just for yourself. Like for yourself, it's of course you don't struggle. Mm -hmm. You will overcome that for Mm -hmm. yourself and your own survival. Mm -hmm. You said that. Mm -hmm. But you said when you think about your kids, that's Mm -hmm. a whole different level of examination. Like, do you struggle or not? What about the comfort of your own children? And for sure, that is that was definitely Mm -hmm. um, something that came up for me because we're in this pandemic of scarcity yeah yeah. and honestly to tell you i think that's one thing if i'm honest i'm afraid about like the worst case scenario can i watch my kids be hungry right i mean that's you know probably not gonna happen um but that is that did cross my mind but i think let me go into the passage a bit more that brings hope and redemption (laughs) through all this (laughs) yes Uh, so something you guys don't know is my husband actually has a huge hunger wound and i'll go into that another time so i just don't want him to scare everyone when he says can i really okay i mean as you guys know but yeah he has like this hunger wound from childhood and maybe one day he'll go into it but he actually has a fear of being hungry it's kind of like when will smith even though he is so rich he says every day i fear if i'm going to be poor again because mm-hmm. he's been poor for so long right. so my poor husband he <laughs> eats well i just don't want anyone to get the wrong idea he eats well like i said he has diet coke and coffee all <laughs> on the same table right here um and we're filled with luxuries but there is this wound and because of that hunger wound of that trauma he thinks of the worst case scenario and does a lot of we laugh about it now but he does a lot of silly funny things around that yeah but you know um moving on to (laughs) the idea of the temptation of the desert and how god set israel free from with, with his mighty power from egypt and taking them to the promised land in those 40 years, God provided through miracles. He, he gave them water from a rock in the desert. He gave them bread from heaven and even meat, quail, in the desert. So in spite of our circumstances and in spite of our needs and our fears, what the text is paralleling is how God triumphs and provides for his people. Mm-hmm. That's on mission. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that should comfort all of us, knowing that through the miracle of 
the power of God, God's miracle power, miraculous power. God will provide and help us get through anything that will happen. Yeah. yeah. Actually, can I share my dream that I had? Yeah, yeah. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. So on Sunday morning, um, so I think we decided that we're going into online service maybe about Thursday or Friday, right? Yeah. And so we started preparing for that. And then Sunday morning, I actually woke up and I had this dream where um, Sam and I were in a house and we look, I looked around and it just looked kind of like very disheveled. Like it was a huge room and it almost seemed like an apocalypse mm. happened, but without the zombies. Mm. And... So there were all these things just kind of like thrown around as if like some hurricane or something went through it. And I'm just looking around wondering, but at the same time, I'm waiting for something. Um, and I could see myself in my dream restlessly kind of waiting and maybe nervously waiting for something. And the door opens from outside in and and a line of people start walking in and there were four categories of people. Mm. And you know, when you have dreams, you realize what you're seeing as you're kind of experiencing it. And what I saw were four categories of people. And one was, um, the first category um, was people in our community. And they were walking in and mm. they were like, everyone walking in had this like great smile mm. and a peace about mm. them as they were walking in. And then the second category of people walking in were people that used to be in our community um, that once followed Christ, mm -hmm. but kind of just got mm -hmm. scattered and fell away. Mm -hmm. That was the second. And then the third category of people were people that I knew in my life that had nothing to do with their community, but all of a sudden mm. they were coming in. Yeah. And then the fourth um, were people I had never met. But they were in the same line, kind of just walking in through the door into this huge wide space. And I remember waking up and saying, honey, I had this dream and telling you about it. And I was really encouraged by that because I realized, you know, there's a lot of, I think, logistic things that happen when you close a service of an actual gathering. Mm. And it could even feel risky, right? Because it's a big change especially in the face of a pandemic, right? Because mm -hmm. there's so many uncertainties. You don't know when you will actually physically gather again because that all depends on how things um, go, right? But it was an encouragement from God to say, this is an opportunity, an yeah. open opportunity, an open door for the gospel. Mm -hmm. And right away, I felt the, the purpose. And of course, we do this for the mission and the goal, and we do it because it is a purpose, but there was an assurance of God's purpose in all of it. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I think it was really encouraging because uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the remote sites had four seekers visit. Um, I think that was Mulberry. And it, it's just so encouraging to know that God knows the future and he has it all under control mm. and he has a plan. And even though it's hard for us to see it in this mm. present moment because yeah. of fear, um, 
it's so encouraging to know that the wind of the spirit is blowing and will mm-hmm. use this pandemic for his glory, mm-hmm. which is also what, what is the parallel of the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy and this mm-hmm. temptation in Matthew 4 is that mm-hmm. through Jesus, we can overcome all our fears mm-hmm. and surrender the things that hold us back from his mission. Mm-hmm. And so it's an opportunity for so many who are disconnected um, and sometimes when you have everything, when you have surplus, you forget mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. But when you are at a loss and you are afraid, that's when you begin to look up. And I think that's what's exactly is happening right now. And I think God is inviting 180 community to become the hand and feet of Jesus mm-hmm. and offer that hope to people that lost him or got disconnected mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. And so this could lead to a revival in our community. Mm-hmm. And the gospel becoming forefront again. Mm. And also I sense um, missionally that God is actually opening the door for, it's it's almost become a welcome door for many, mm. right? Mm. Like people in four categories, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, people returning. And this is kind of something we've been, you know, you've been speaking about, we've yeah. been talking about, yeah. and are, we've been focusing on as a community, mm-hmm. right, of mm-hmm. people returning home. Yeah, you yeah. know, we started that whole package that Andy is leading yeah. with the Sunflower logo, right, yeah. of 180 Church. Of, what a perfect thing to do right now. Yeah, yeah. of just kind of just um, reaching out to people that have kind of lost their way, mm-hmm. you know, and wanting to let them know like we are thinking about you that you are not forgotten it was a great package idea Um, but this is something we've been thinking about so in hindsight when you kind of just look at it it is kind of it's very encouraging because in spite of the pandemic or not god this is what god is doing yeah and it's so easy to kind of forget Mm -hmm. the mission Mm -hmm. when you're when you're almost tempted for personal survival mm-hmm. but it's it almost feels like in our community people are, have been prepared yeah throughout the weeks through mm-hmm. lent of really being devoted and seeking god yeah to be able to focus and along the way surrendering these difficult parts You're right even entitlement right that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. suffering can't happen right. or should not happen even that entitlement has been surrendered right. as a community mm-hmm. you know and being surrendered in this community since even the last temptation that you spoke about. So, yeah, I'm so encouraged by that, Mm. of what God is doing. And, oh, this is what I was going to say, that there's also, because people are not able to see each other in the community, there's also rekindling of deep love in Mm. the community as well. Yeah, Because, like, you know, when you see everyone all the time, you could kind of take Take it for granted. Yeah, take it for granted and not realize how precious people are in your life. But it's almost like the loss of that physical Mm. closeness. Yeah. It makes you. It makes the heart grow fonder, right? Like so it makes true. you miss yeah. one another. Yeah. So, even that, I think that's just so beautiful and encouraging too. And like, it is so amazing that God is doing all of this. Yeah, and um, from the social media post I saw um, on Sunday, mm. we saw just house churches mm. in Brooklyn and mm. in the city and other places sharing meals together 
mm-hmm. and that the spirit of hospitality came. Mm-hmm. And and some people were even having um, trouble with technology, like the, mm. the TV oh, yeah. wasn't, wasn't working. So and, they put their iPhone up. <laughs> yeah, and iPhone up and everyone was looking. Yeah. I think maybe it was through a laptop but mm. oh, and, yeah. and listening to the word. like, And at the same time, as manna fell from heaven, this pandemic is making people hungry for something that's eternal. Yeah. Because it's showing that what is temporary will fade away mm-hmm. and that these systems and infrastructures in place, so much of what we put our hope in actually mm-hmm. is an illusion mm-hmm. and that ultimately only he is in control. Mm-hmm. And it's in a way it's, it's an invitation for us to be back at that truth mm-hmm. and to know that he is the only one um, and his word is the only mm-hmm. thing that will never fade away. Mm-hmm. As the word says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, for me, the word temporary has been very, um, I guess, powerful for me. Yeah. That one, that the things of this world that we put our hope in is temporary. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. We realize that the worth and the value that we hold on those things is really not worth it. Right. Yeah. But also that temporary, that str- suffering and struggle is also temporary. Yeah. That just like the social distancing, I think, you know, I think you know, there's a lot of perspective about it. And I guess I just want to talk about it because there's a lot of perspective about it. And people have different opinions about what should be and what shouldn't be. Because I think people are frustrated about yeah. how distant we should be, yeah. how corporative we should be, mm-hmm. all these things. But in the end, I think people are just afraid and wanting to just kind of get through the time right yeah, yeah so there's no like it's not to judge at all anyone struggling with loneliness because mm-hmm. of lack of contact with people yeah um you know you could be an extrovert and you need people around you to feel you but you've been feeling empty as a result of yeah. social distancing yeah. and for others who may be okay and have families might feel that Let's be stricter with social distancing and be responsible. Mm. And there's like all other, you know, there's like a whole different spectrum of struggle in social distancing, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, boredom is a real thing. And mm. who's to judge, right? That boredom is not a real thing. People are bored. People are feeling disconnected. And I think sometimes the, the scheme of the enemy is to use this social distancing to scatter people and for people to feel isolated. That's true. But the word temporary uh, in different aspect, right? Yeah. That when it uh, when I realized that this social distancing is actually temporary too. Mm. It is part of the process, but it will not last forever. That it is um, part of just, I don't know, the whole ordeal, but it's not going to be forever, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the point. It is so that it wouldn't last forever. Yeah. So even that, I think, is encouraging. And it kind of brought my focus back to heaven, you know? Mm-hmm. That it reminded me of a place, you know, where there is no pain, there is no suffering. Yeah. And it kind of gives you a glimpse of heaven on earth. Amen, it does. That perspective, that yeah. this too will end. This yeah. too mm-hmm. will pass. Yeah. You know? So for me that, and I don't know if um, our members, our listeners are thinking about it in that way, but for me, that brought me perspective that what feels 
so suffocating mm-hmm. in moments of boredom and loneliness yeah. um, is temporary. Yeah. And also that people are like, people may not be able to see each other as much, mm-hmm. but actually there's so many ways yeah. to even be connected and to encourage one another. Yeah, now and, you just have to be more intentional. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think the word is intentional. Mm-hmm. You just have to be intentional about speaking to each other, asking each other, how are you doing? Yeah. Can I pray for you? You know, or even like, what did you eat? Mm-hmm. And because we do need each other, right? Yeah. It's a challenge, but even that, I think it makes us be more intentional in relationship. Yeah. Yeah. What were some things that you wanted to share? Um, I know you you gave the message, right? But it, were there some things as... Because there's been updates constantly, even yeah. since Sunday, and it's only, what, Monday? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the whole point of the Lenten season is following the journey of Jesus mm-hmm. and following his example. <clears throat> I think this is an opportunity for many of us um, to see how Jesus, in spite of, or despite of the temptation to avoid pain and suffering, Mm -hmm. as many of us would want to avoid it, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to cost at the greater good or the good of the world or everyone, the idea of adding value, Mm -hmm. you see Jesus endure not only the the 40-day temptation, but the cross, Mm -hmm. because he was able to put God first. Mm -hmm. And in times like this, I think it's, 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 Tempting to be angry and be anxious and question everything. Mm-hmm. And then you have to actually examine yourself. Were you putting your trust in God or, or, the, or the good things that you had and the assumptions mm-hmm. that this is just the way it's always going to be? Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of reveals cracks in our spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it gives this incredible moment to get realigned mm-hmm. to the Father's heart. Yeah. Um, in the second point, you talked about they be before all else. Before all else, yeah. you're my bay. You're my bay. But you're talking about the one. The one. The one. Capital. Yeah. That's right. B A E. Right. Yeah. Be all else. Yeah. Can you talk about the worship of bay? Yeah. I mean, Jesus said, "Worship the Lord your God only." But then he says, there's a conjunction, he says, and serve him only. So therefore, your love for God and passion for God is not just vertical, it's horizontal. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Because sometimes I say horizontal, vertical, Uh and people are like, oh, what, which eight? Well, of course, if you picture the cross, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it goes up vertical, and then Uh it goes across horizontal. Mm -hmm. And so... <clears throat> you know, you can say that you love God, but if there, if there's no action, mm-hmm. and there's no worship, must always come um, with a cost. Mm-hmm. Worship is never sacrifice free. Love is not free of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, what Jesus shows us in the wilderness and in, through His life and in the Passion Week is that love always comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. And that's really our worship. So what competes uh, with what we value the most or what we're committed to the most? Mm-hmm. And that could be uh, a pain-free life. Mm-hmm. could be convenience. It could be comfort. Mm-hmm. could be any of those things. Mm-hmm. So it's really 
very nuanced mm -hmm. and you're really, you know, splitting hairs, but it does go, go at the very core of things. You know, what is really first in your life? Mm -hmm. Is it really God? Mm -hmm. Or is it something else? If this is ma if making you or um, question mm -hmm. your faith or, you know, whatever's coming out of you, nastiness or fear mm -hmm. or panic. Um, and then you, out of that panic, you begin to hurt others because mm -hmm. you're only thinking of yourself mm -hmm. and not what God is doing. Then there's some cracks in your spirituality that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of our listeners and members um, are new to the faith, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So just to kind of not reiterate what you said, but to kind of not redefine even, but what is the word that I'm looking for? The word worship mm -hmm. is we're not referring and God is not referring and mm -hmm. Jesus is not referring to worshiping before the message comes. He's not talking about mm -hmm. songs yeah. of or true songs or in the moment you feel the songs, but he's talking about a life that shows. Yeah, no, the word worship in Greek is basically lifestyle. Mm -hmm. you know you know a living sacrifice mm -hmm. like romans 12 talks about um we're called to be living sacrifices in many mm -hmm. ways in our worship just like james says faith without action is dead mm -hmm. and so that is what it at, at the root of things being confronted mm -hmm. um so that's what we're talking about yeah so that's a great word to use. Um, so lifestyle. Lifestyle. How does your lifestyle, the question is, how does your lifestyle, how does our lifestyle um, represent what we truly, exactly, truly, really, I don't know, I guess, cherish, yeah, right? Yeah, or believe. And, or, or believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And behavior, the implicit axiom, I talk about this all the time, mm -hmm. our behavior or your behavior is truly what you believe. Mm -hmm. Even if you think you, you believe in a certain ideology, mm -hmm. when crisis and pandemics hit, mm -hmm. usually you revert back to your default, mm -hmm. which is ontologically what you truly value the most. Mm -hmm. So this pandemic should technically show you if you worship God or not. Mm -hmm. If this is really a, a lifestyle mm -hmm. um, and your number one commitment and value. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so for example, like going back to the carrots, right, in the fridge. Yeah. I could say all I want. No, I'm, I'm fine. No, yeah. I'm, I, uh, everything's going to be great. Yeah. No, God is good. Mm -hmm. I know he will pull us through this. But once I open the fridge with all the things going on in the environment and I start counting my carrots and that thought just goes through like, oh, am I going to have enough? Mm -hmm. That is kind of like a symbol, like what you're talking about, the crack, right? It helps us examine. Yeah, it helps us examine. But, you know, that's really goes back to the hold of loss of autonomy and power. But it also goes back to even the hold of materialism, you know. Mm -hmm. In scarcity, we doubt and sometimes rethink or think too much about what could happen. Mm -hmm. And that's why anxiety hits. But that's human and that's okay. Right. It's how guess, we act in human. Right. But I guess I'm trying to um, define for people the etymology of mm -hmm. finding a crack. I see, I see. Of God examining us, you know, or um, uh, like a pandemonium, a pandemic, kind mm -hmm. of helping us like 
come to a place where we would have never realized mm. that there was a crack. But that etymology of a crack, what would that look like when God sheds light into that? You mm. know, I guess that's why I was talking about the carrot thing. I didn't know that there were those cracks yeah. until I was in the situation. Well, I would define that as more of a temptation um, because of fear. Mm. You're thinking, should I conserve? But the crack would really show mm -hmm. if someone needed another carrot and you hoarded the carrot or you went ah. to the supermarket and got all the carrots. I see. Because you only want to feed you and your family, ah. our family, then that would be showing a crack. Uh -huh. But fear itself is not the crack. I see. No, that's we're human. That's really helpful. Yeah. Okay, so you mean that fear is a temptation, but you're yeah. talking about crack as in what we do with that. Yeah, because until action, we really don't know. Mm. We're not tested, so we're not really sure what our score is. Mm -hmm. So the crack, it's like deficiencies, like when you study for the LSAT or the MCAT or the SAT, they work on your growth areas, mm -hmm. what you get wrong, mm -hmm. and then you, you're supposed to work through those to get mm -hmm. a better score. So it's like that in many ways. Mm -hmm. You should be able to see your cracks um, through that lens of fear. What, what do you end up doing? Uh, um, your action. So uh, again, it goes back to lifestyle, how but, you end right. up living. That's right. The action that you take yeah. as a result of that fear. Yeah. Like, for example, a lot of churches, um, a lot of church leaders, they're talking, this about, um, talking about this in CT. A lot of churches are so very afraid. Mm -hmm. And this is why churches try to never close. Because leaders know if people don't physically attend a service, will they give? Will they tithe? Because mm -hmm. some people don't. Mm -hmm. Right? And many, many smaller church pastors were talking about could they really make nine weeks, ten mm. weeks? How do, they might have to fire staff. Mm. They might have to uh, cut back how they're going to pay the mortgage on their property. Because mm. if you're a bigger church, it could be a large amount per week. Mm -hmm. So will you still put God in the center of your finances mm -hmm. through this? Even mm -hmm. though you're, everything is uncertain. You might lose your job, right? Mm -hmm. Things might be really mm -hmm. uh, precarious. Mm -hmm. So that's a good example. Those kind of things. Mm -hmm. and those are legitimate fears. Mm -hmm. Well, people of God still put him first. Yeah. In even, even in scarcity. Yeah. And that would define worship. That would define worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think that's that differentiation that you made for us is very helpful, actually. Mm. Um. So how can you, you know, live a life of worship in a situation like this? Well, I think that what you can do is try to model after Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think vertically first, you need to get your heart right with God. Mm -hmm. um, let him be your anchor. Mm -hmm. And just like I said... Um, if God can navigate hundreds and thousands of people through the desert for mm -hmm. 40 years, mm -hmm. through all kinds of trials, mm -hmm. and provide bread from heaven, manna, meat, quail, water from a rock, mm -hmm. um, knowing in your heart mm -hmm. and trusting that God will provide for you, 
in through this pandemic and trial. Mm-hmm. I think that vertical, without that vertical alignment, it's very mm-hmm. difficult to actually live out the horizontal piece, mm-hmm. which is living out generosity, hospitality, and kindness because you'd be mm-hmm. paralyzed by fear. In times of trouble. In times of trouble. Right. It's yeah. easy to open up, you know, your home, for example. Yeah. For a birthday. Mm-hmm. It's easy to celebrate and say, let's throw this beautiful party. Yeah. Um, because it makes us feel good. But yeah. in times of need, can we be hospitable? Yeah, that's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus mm-hmm. says um, even pagans do that. Pagans mm-hmm. love those who love them. Pagans give gifts to friends who give them gifts. Mm-hmm. But who who gets credit for that, Jesus says. You have to love those who don't love you. That's what love is. Mm-hmm. Love is patient and kind. Generosity is not generosity if you're receiving something for someone and you're giving them because you're going to get it back. Generosity mm-hmm. is giving it to them without not getting it back. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I always say that I always say this to believers. Jesus didn't tithe his blood in life. Jesus mm-hmm. gave it all. Mm-hmm. And that's really the model of the wilderness. Jesus didn't hold anything back from us. Mm-hmm. And he loved us with everything. Mm-hmm. And he left everything um, on the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's why he, it's not it's not a um, question. Jesus commands mm-hmm. complete bay, mm-hmm. complete love and devotion to him because mm-hmm. he deserves it. Which proves itself in the way we live yes. and love others. Yeah, that's why he's bay mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. all else. Mm-hmm. You put him first in your life. Mm-hmm. And I think in this situation... You need to be aligned to God's heart. And what's, what's God's heart? It's an opportunity to show people the transcending peace of God. Here. Mm-hmm. Believers need to become people that are the most calm, the most anchored, and the most competent as well. Because mm-hmm. we, we're seeing a reflection of incompetence and in leadership globally. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who are competent in certain fields, need mm-hmm. to step up and be the light in our hospitals and health mm-hmm. healthcare in whatever sector you're in education you need to step up mm-hmm. and you need to lead you need to be the light mm-hmm. you need to be an example of peace right now mm-hmm. and that would be worship yeah i think even in yeah definitely in the workplace but even in when you're not working right yeah definitely. even in on things like social media yeah Right. Like I think as soon as um, the people in our community realized that the link was going up mm-hmm. um, and the announcement went out about and even just the sharing of the dream of God's purpose, people started posting our service time to share with others yeah. on their stories. Yeah. And I think already it, was, it almost felt like um, seeing the posts of this is our gathering, mm-hmm. you know, like showing pictures of people getting ready for service, you know, in these homes, right? It almost felt like everything was going about, you know, kind of just normal on that abnormal day. And all of a sudden, in a really foggy room, like lights turned on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because now you're beginning to kind of share about this meeting that is so important to you. Yeah. And so powerful to you Mm -hmm. of hearing God's message. And now you're opening it up to share with others. Yeah. And in all of that, the different categories of people can also come in. Mm-hmm. Because just the sphere of influence that even sharing a story on Instagram has yeah. is that you're not just reaching out to people that you normally, you know, 
keep uh, hold each other accountable to or share with or pray with, but you're opening it up to perhaps coworkers, you know, friends, family, mm -hmm. you know, people you haven't seen in a while that you may be friends with on Instagram. Yeah. And yeah, it kind of felt like the light went on and like the door opened. It, yeah. yeah, you know what? It kind of felt like when people started putting them up and sharing it, like a closed door just like opened and said, hey guys, come in. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that was really powerful. Yeah. So whether in the workplace or in just, you know, on the weekends of just opening up, hey, come and hear this message. Yeah. Be encouraged. Yeah. This is my God, mm. you know, find out about him because he's been so good to me mm. um, and that he is God. I think that's powerful. Yeah. It literally felt like lights were going on. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And yeah. actually, there were also posts about people um, listening to it. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, you know, we have a lot of healthcare professionals, so mm -hmm. they can't always attend on the actual Sunday time, right? Yeah. Because their schedule, they don't have the autonomy yeah. in schedule. So, you know, even after Sunday, um, people, so I remember one of the members of our church, um, she was posting, she probably posted later, mm -hmm. but like she was posting of how she was listening in her car. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. soon as she got out of work, yeah. she started listening to the message. Yeah. Because she wanted to really partake in that. And she had a um, like a video of like the story video was had an ins uh, what is it? GPS mm -hmm, was going mm -hmm. and she was like, you know, she tagged you, right? Like, mm -hmm, Dr. Mm -hmm. Sammy, look, you're mm -hmm. on video. And yeah, she yeah. was audio listening. Yeah. And then I remember I texted her mm -hmm. and said, you know, that those are the only two GPS you need. <laughs> One is your roadmap where you're going in this life, mm -hmm. but not with the other, which yeah. is the word of God. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So true. Yeah. So I think when you say we have, you have to make God your anchor yeah. and worship him, um, meaning, you know, really living by his values, mm -hmm. um, B-A-E, Bay, worship. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm reminded of that picture because the word of God, who God is, is so important yeah. it's not just um you know do what you think but it's literally submitting to the example of christ yeah. literally submitting yeah that's what really what anchor is like can you talk about that like yeah. how do you anchor well i think at the heart of this temptation and the heart of this pandemic and lent and matthew 4 is that Jesus declares to the evil one, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. And the anchor is, we read the physical word, and but we also listen to his voice mm -hmm. to lead our life. Mm -hmm. and I think that's a great picture um, in that story of having the GPS, having the word of God, and mm -hmm. having a roadmap, mm -hmm. having that map. Um, to help you guide you where you're going of your soul of right your soul. Yeah. yeah you know i think that's why just going back to god's word is so powerful and why gathering to hear a message is so powerful and why it's such a gift to people that are in fear and uncertainty in this time is that you know the word brings perspective of truth and into the dark of God's perspective and aligns us back. Yeah. Right. The things that we might feel like we have to hold, be on our own, we have to carry the burden ourselves, and 
you know, this sometimes disposed this what is that word? Dystopian? Mm-hmm. Dystopian. Dystopian. Dystopian reality has a way of kind of just settling in our hearts in yeah. fear. Yeah. Uh, fatalism yeah. is another word, right? Mm-hmm. But when the word of God enters, we're given God's power to overcome it through perspective. Yeah. As we engage in God's presence, like literally you're able to enter into God's presence as you hear God's word. Mm -hmm. And it has a way of breaking through the the fears, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, dissipates the fears and aligns people to actual reality and perspective and truth. And peace that is not understood in this world that we can't understand. Mm -hmm. But the peace of God does come and guard our hearts Mm -hmm. as we turn to him, Mm -hmm. to his word and who he is. Mm -hmm. So... It is so powerful. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, you know, what are some of your final thoughts, honey, that you want to share? Well, I think that in many ways, the vision or the dream that you had shows us a roadmap to exactly what the wind of the spirit is doing mm-hmm. or blowing at this moment. Mm-hmm. He's particularly blowing his wind in crevices and cracks Mm. of people that are disconnected that Mm -hmm. we would not be able to reach or maybe not even think about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because our church was in a season of great growth, great momentum. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like the Church of Acts, uh, when Mm -hmm. persecution hit Mm -hmm. in in Jerusalem, they were gathering in a a massive kind of scale. Mm -hmm. But then the persecution forced Mm -hmm. them to scatter. and Mm -hmm. And the text says that, the Holy Spirit broke them to go to the ends of the earth. Mm. And so I also think that the Holy Spirit is giving us a almost a clue to where 180 is going next in the next mm-hmm. few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that just the vision and the picture of people in their living rooms mm-hmm. um, watching a screen. I remember the Parsons um, students shared with us when we were at the retreat. They just decided, I think they came twice we were at the Day in the sun and the retreat. Uh-huh. And they just decided to have a worship service in their own room, in the dorm room. Oh, that's right. I remember that story. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, it sort of re- showed me uh, about the cell churches, two or three gathered in his name in living rooms, mm-hmm. inviting people that might have never come to church mm-hmm. um, in this particular precarious time, how mm-hmm. they might be receptive to the gospel more mm-hmm. than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, or... You know, our resources, as, as 180 has grown and um, really polished up our technology mm-hmm. and our social media mm-hmm. and our video presence in terms of presenting the gospel, mm-hmm. I think God has a plan in the mm-hmm. next few years to mm-hmm. use our resources for other churches that might be struggling, mm-hmm. where we can share our resources for free mm-hmm. in the churches mm-hmm. or living rooms or wherever mm-hmm. they are. Because mm-hmm. we do have numerous of people watching our services mm-hmm. on video like all over the world mm-hmm. so like how god could use that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very i thought it was very interesting mm-hmm. right there's an exciting unknown piece to that right yeah very exciting yeah it's a gospel opportunity it's a gospel historic gospel opportunity yeah historic for sure Nathan was saying um i this pandemic has never happened no like it's surreal, yeah. <laughs> but it is happening, and in the midst of it, God has a plan. Yeah, yeah, and 
uh, I've lived in New York over 30 years, and they've never closed public schools before. Right, because yesterday they closed yeah. indefinitely. Yeah. Right. Um, and we don't know how this is, how long this will drag on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is a very critical moment in time mm-hmm. for the body of Christ um, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not waste a single moment mm-hmm. to put him first in his mission, to worship mm-hmm. God, as Jesus said, in ceremony. Mm-hmm. This is the time. Yeah. Like you said, it's going to take some intentionality. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking about the first century Christians being scattered as a result of actually a tragedy mm-hmm. of persecution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost implied that they would have wanted to be a massive yeah. co- group that comforts one another. Yeah. And, right? and uh, historians and theologians and scholars have said that the church would have just grown larger and larger if there wasn't mm-hmm. a persecution. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit knew that was the only way to untether the coziness of the fellowship. Because mm-hmm. once the fellowship is so great, mm-hmm. it's very easy to lose sight of mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even if you're a missional church. Yes, it can yeah. happen. Yeah, and you know, like you said, like it, the our church is, was in a really great place actually yeah, before yeah. we had to take it into online service. So it's not that the church was not being missional, but God is doing something with the infrastructure. Yeah, but but at the same time, I mm-hmm. think that a lot of our conversion experiences were a few years ago. Even mm-hmm. though we have a lot more people coming to Christ, mm-hmm. it's almost like a lot of those who are on mission uh-huh. are far away from that nostalgic moment of coming to Christ mm-hmm. and they're becoming more and more um, Christian than secular. Mm-hmm. And as you move away from that gap between when you come to Christ and when you're in the church, studies have shown your witness does slowly begin to fade. Mm-hmm. You lose contact with the world. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a great moment where we're moving back into the world mm-hmm. because we can't go to a, a physical building and the mm-hmm. church has never been called to be a building. Right. We're called to be the people of the God. people of God. Mm-hmm. Amen. So many opportunities. Yeah. So for those of you listening today, I just want to invite you to pray that the Holy Spirit to show you people that might be disconnected to God, your friends that you maybe have forgotten about, maybe to look after them, to look um, for them, pray for them, and invite them. To one of the remote sites or listen in on our remote messages that we will broadcast in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an amazing opportunity and you never know what God could do. He will do, I think, incredible things through you guys. If you will listen to what he's saying to you, if you follow him. Mm-hmm. Amen. So whatever the people, whatever categories people might be in. Right. Should we just go over them again? Sure. Yeah. So not in this order, but um, not in any order. But first category is people you know. And this is not just pertaining to me, guys. I want to speak to you guys. So people you know in the community. And these are the people that you are in accountability group with, that you're in small group with, that you serve with in the greeting team, in the worship team, in the sound team, you know, hospitality team. These are people who you consider community. That was the first category coming in, which makes sense because you're listening in already. And second category of people are people that 
you once sat next to in service or in small group or may even have served with at one point, but through time and circumstance and situations, people have kind of got, gotten scattered and kind of lost their way away from faith. That's the second category. Third category are the people that you once knew in life out of the church context. And these are people that you recognize, people that, you know, out of the 500 friends, the 400 friends that you don't really talk to. Mm -hmm. But because of the situation, um, whatever God is doing, you are going to come in contact with them or you know where they are, right? Yeah. So that's people that have been in your life. So whether they've never attended church, they were in your elementary school, in your karate class, in your art class, um, you know, mm-hmm. at that job that you used to be at before you became, I don't know, a teacher, a doctor, whatever the case is. And the fourth category was people that you don't know of. You just don't know who they are, mm-hmm. but God wants them to come in. So um, this opportunity is like a bridge yeah. for people who would actually not in any way we would not be able to reach like yeah. right away yeah. in the way that, you know, you would kind of invite a friend that you already mm. know. Mm. But it's almost like casting a net really wide mm. or in the beginning of a spring season, you, you know, for farmers or even gardeners, you just scatter the seed as much as possible. Yeah. You know, so there is a widespread mm-hmm. that God is wanting to do. I, I, honestly, I feel like. People are connected by association through yeah. Facebook, through Instagram, but you don't really talk to everyone. The harvest is plentiful. Right. But God is saying that is the harvest. Yeah, and I think the interplay here of going and finishing up just the idea of Lent, mm-hmm. of Jesus's um, experience of, of being led into the wilderness, and then his ultimate life ending in the Passion Week, uh, culminating on the cross. Um, there's a contrast and interplay between the idea of hell, mm-hmm. the greatest suffering and the greatest darkness, to paradise and the greatest light in, on the cross. That's actually reconciles the vertical and the horizontal piece with the two criminals next to him. And Jesus is in the middle. And one to his right, I think, just scoffs at him and says, you should save yourself. You save so many. But there's a, there was a mm-hmm. thief that said... Aren't you afraid of God? Mm-hmm. And so that man in the hour of his greatest suffering met Jesus because of this situation. And Jesus says, from this day forth, right, I shall remember and you shall be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm. And so this moment of fear and suffering and the greatest darkness can become someone's opportunity to experience Mm-hmm. paradise that contrast so it's, it's an amazing gospel opportunity for someone to for eternity to change mm-hmm. for someone's life mm-hmm. so this might be the only opportunity mm-hmm. for those it, might, it actually might be part of god's wisdom to bring them into eternity mm-hmm. and to change eternity it's a door of opportunity yeah 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 so as we close up, thank you, Dr. Sammy, for joining our podcast today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and um, 
Thanks, guys, for listening in today. And we hope and pray that this conversation um, has blessed you and will help and will help you into deeper realization of what God is saying in this Lent season and through this pandemic. Um, and that, and we pray that God will reveal and transform you and I to, to be deeper and um, more generous people like Christ Amen. for such a time as this. Amen. So have a great week. And um, yeah, so we will be in what online service yeah. again in yes. the following week and yes. we will keep you posted in the in the weeks following after that but yeah. yeah we'll sam and i will be checking in on you guys and um informing you with any changes and any updates as a church um right honey mm-hmm. yeah so we'll see you on sunday no, we'll see them before because we stay in touch. Oh, yeah, we'll see you before. <laughs> but, if, yeah, but if we don't. And for those of you who are going back home, because I know that um, universities have closed yeah. and you were kind of forced out of this semester mm. um, and you're going back home, we pray that you would have uh, safe travels and safe break. And until we see you guys, God bless. We'll miss you. We'll be thinking of you. And... Yeah. Honey, I think it would be great if um, we could end this in prayer. Sure. Because, you know, there are a lot of people going to transition mm-hmm. as a result of this pandemic. People mm-hmm. are, because shops are closing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are losing their jobs yeah. or their pay this week. And I know that you actually sent out a link, right? Yeah. For unemployment for people. You want to talk about that a little bit? I think that would be helpful. Yeah, well, I could just, before I pray, just say quickly, we're mm-hmm. creating a resource page that we're going to be sending out to everyone in our community. Mm-hmm. So look for that. Um, they'll have all the details with renter insurance, um, being afraid of not being able to pay your rent because there's you might not have a job um, with so many things closing or mm-hmm. unemployment insurance, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'll pray and bless you guys. Um, so let's pray together. Father, we come before you tonight, um, or wherever people might be listening to this. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and be our great comforter, our great teacher, and you would lead us in this tumultuous time, um, not to just panic and fear, but to turn to you, our rock, our refuge, that you and your presence would give us a transcending peace that, that surpasses all understanding that would come guard our hearts and minds and help us to represent you as ambassadors for Christ in this world that's deeply, deeply troubled right now. And Lord, I pray uh, that you would keep everyone, you would bless everyone, and you would hold everyone by their hand and get them through this. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. Bye, guys. Hey everyone, we just have some community news for you as we end our podcast today. We also have a prayer text hotline where you can send your prayer requests. 
It's available at 5397-PRAYER and at prayer at 180church.tv. In the midst of life, if you need prayer, our team is available to lift you up in your struggles, and we're always there for you. You can check out our Bible reading group online at 180brg.tumblr.com and on Instagram as well at 180brg. And it's a great resource for being grounded in God's Word and really plugging God's Word into our daily lives. You can also find us online through our Instagram page at 180church and our church website at 180church.tv. And lastly, if you'd like to make an offering, you can do so electronically at our website at 180church.tv. 